This is Health Unabashed on Healthcare Now Radio. The show spotlights and features promising health and wellness innovation in pursuit of a sustainable and equitable healthcare delivery and financing system. Hosted by digital health advocate, author, and thought leader, Gil Bash, the show looks at the thought-provoking ideas, people, and companies that are making a difference. I'm Greg Masters, the executive producer and co-host of the show, and join Gil as we engage industry talent who share their insights and best practices to enable sustainable ecosystem change. And on today's very special broadcast, uh, we get to turn the table on my colleague, just brilliant partner to work with in producing this content. And I get to sit in the host box and uh, dip a bit into this man. What's behind him, the mission, the passion, the vision, He's determined to make this. Oh my goodness! He's determined to make this world <laughs> a better place for all of us. So uh, while you may connect with uh, Gil Bash, uh, many of you listening, this may be your first exposure to him. So I'm in charge today. So buckle up. All right, we're going to look back at season one of Health Unabashed on Healthcare Now Radio of which there are 24 episodes, including this one as the season concluding event, will then pre uh, pivot to preview what we know about season two and Gil's intention with respect to where, how, if any way, he wants to sort of subtly pivot one way or the other. And we're going to conclude with um, his key takeaways from Gil's recent medical mission to Moldova. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing that. So Gil, for our listeners' benefit, let, let's bookend the show. It's Genesis, Purpose, and your plans, where you want to take this going forward. It seems like everyone has a podcast or a live internet show these days. Why Health Unabashed? Well, Greg, first of all, as always, thank you. You have been the, the um, supportive giant behind the set making this work so well. And, you know, I, I often comment almost every show, I remind our listeners, 50,000 of them now, uh, I remind our listeners that you and Fred Goldstein have a very important show, you know, Pop Health Week, and that for me to have you as the executive producer of Health Unabashed is a real privilege. You've been in the forefront of, of public health issues, population health issues since the very beginning. And a lot of our guests have, have joined us uh, thanks to your outreach, people like David Nash, who really created the whole population health scene, are close connections of yours. So, Greg, thank you so much for everything you're doing to make Health Unabashed a, a big success. The, the first season has exceeded my personal expectations, certainly in terms of listeners, um, but, but also I have to say in terms of the, the forthright candor of the incredible guests we've had, people like John Noster, John White, or Dr. Allison Ocean, or, or Yeli Aluko, Dr. Aluko from Ernst & Young, um, you know, Dr. Aronian Sanders. I just wrote a piece I published on Medical Life today that was inspired, I quote both of them from our show, was inspired on the, on the obesity crisis, the epidemic in the United States. A, a lot of these ideas that I pursue outside the show, outside these 30 minutes together altogether, um, really have been informed by 
um, Healthcare Now Radio and Health Unabashed. I mean, we're having twice a month some of the smartest people on the cutting edge of health innovation in the world on this program. You know, I think of people like um, Anish Chopra from the White House, the first technology officer from the White House. All of these people have been our guests. So the, the genesis of the show uh, really sort of bolted right out of the gate. What is the importance of health innovation? What are the challenges of health innovators? And, um, and what are they doing to overcome the obstacles they face? Each and every single one was illuminating. Some of them actually um, were life-saving. You know, I think of Dr. Ocean, Allison Ocean, who is really our, one of our first guests. I think she was the, the third guest on the program. And, and Dr. Ocean, who's a gastroenterologist and an oncologist at Royal Cornell. She's very purpose-centered. She created the organization Let's Win for Pancreatic Cancer. She, she's kind of turned medicine up on its head. I mean, the whole concept of, of inviting patients into tumor board meetings, telling colleagues, hey, it's their tumor. They deserve to hear what we're discussing. Her creating crowdsourcing platforms to get people with uh, pancreatic cancer, once a quick killer, into clinical trials faster, her pushing the survival uh, limits of pancreatic cancer from one year to three years, hopefully her next goal is five years and beyond. I mean, these were all guests we had on this show that explored this. You know, I think of our very first guest, a friend who never ceases to inspire me, John Nasta. And John said something on this program that was so punch in the gut, hard hitting, when he said, culture kills innovation. And I think I reflect on that every day, that the culture of our health system tries to snuff out change, simply because either it's not economically desired, or it involves you know, refiguring our training of medicine or the structuring of our payer or provider health system, you know, people have been very candid on this program, and I, I'm very appreciative of them for, for that. I mean, John White, Dr. John White from WebMD was our second guest on the program. And, you know, well, he's written two books since then about one book, both bestsellers, I might add, and he previewed one on our show, one about diabetes, the other one about cancer. And, you know, he really talks to the reality. They're not inevitable. If you're genetically predisposed, your lifestyle, your behavior, what you do with your body, with the food you intake, your exercise, your mindset, all that has a contributing factor. So you know, we've been kind of blessed with some of the best and the brightest in the, in the, in the world. I don't know. How did you feel about it? Well, I'm listening and just making mental notes and I'm going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But, you know, I'm not going to let you off that easy. So I said I wanted to dive a bit into Gil, the man, the passion, the vision, the commitment. You are a uniquely talented Gil. individual. <laughs> you are a uniquely talented individual. It's been a pleasure to work with and for you. So talk to me about what in when you decided, yeah, this idea makes sense. What was your gravitational pull? How did you see this as being a vehicle for you and your message? And before you get into that, I want you to talk a little bit about your background and what you're doing at Finn Partners, because that is an organization 
that's central to your mission in life, and it has a flavor that's perhaps that perhaps distinguishes it from other global, if you will, agencies in health, healthcare, life sciences, biotech, pharma, etc. What purpose and mission? Okay, Gil, tell us about you and what calibrated and resonated with you to step forward and create this this messaging platform. So um, these are really important questions that that do go back to my far younger years. And as I've gotten older, and I, I'm privileged to have a few white hairs in my beard today, and as I've gotten older, I've gotten older. Um, and perhaps a little more courageous. Now, one of the great, great advantages of, of having um, a large part of your career um, in the rearview mirror is you get clarity in the windshield. Um, and I, I, I think that the, my colleagues who are entering the discipline today, health communications, uh, I, I think that they are doing that with purpose and on purpose. And I feel that I must hustle to maintain their pace of dedication to the craft and, and the influence of health communications on people's, um, look, people's survival, people's survival. And a lot of our guests, by the way, on the show, we kind of touched on that, um, that the differences between um, awareness and action is that connected points or communication. So I, I'm privileged to be in this field. I, I, I do agree with you. I'm also very thankful to be at Finn Partners. I, I don't mean that Finn Partners has no hand in the show. Um, I'm employed by Finn Partners, but I have, um, I have the total latitude and freedom to invite who I want, to say what I want, and for us to do what we need to do. And I thank Finn Partners for that. I thank Peter Finn, who, who believes in, in that and believes in purpose, who founded Finn Partner, Partners for purpose. So I'm, I'm kind of inspired by the Finn Partners community overall. I think people are incredibly diligent and dedicated to the potential of communications and all the sectors that they work in. So, so let me stop, Gil, sorry. What does it mean to be inspired by purpose? So I, part of it is understanding that we're, we're finite. I think a lot of people's behaviors um, good, bad, or indifferent, are, are driven by the fact that they, they kind of see themselves as a constant in this universe. Whereas, you know, I'm, I'm kind of blessed with a different perspective. I see myself as organic. I see myself as finite. I see myself as a responsible member of the global community. And I understand that my actions have impact on people's um, individual and collective life. And so I see myself in harmony with both my business community, my industry, um, and, um, and the planet. And so I'm juggling those three responsibilities simultaneously and constantly. So I guess you could call that a, purpose, a person of purpose um, or a tormented soul. You, can, you, can, you and the listeners can take your pick, um, but I'd like to believe a person of purpose. I, I, I'm joyous. I'm very joyous. Look, my coming to Finn Partners was no accident. Um, it was not a coincidence. I was not per se looking for a position, um, but I was very um, impressed with Peter Finn, 
who's, who's soft-spoken. He is, um, he is a thinker and he's a doer. And his, his whole life, his whole adult life has demonstrated that. Um, he is a person who uh, lives in purpose and is purposeful. So th that's, that's fortunate that I have a, a business platform that is harmonious with my point of view. To get to the other question, like what makes me tick? What makes me tick? Um, I, I've seen struggle. I came from a family of struggle. So I'm, 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 I was not immune to some of the struggles that many people face today, of, um, a family that is rooted in being um, refugees and, and migrants um, uh, to this great country. And um, I reflect on my grandparents' struggle for survival. Um, they're coming to America. Uh, having to make a living, having to support a family, my growing up in, in that household, um, and what that meant, uh, what that meant to put food on a table. And I know that many Americans, many people around the world have that struggle. And I, I not forgotten what it was like, not forgotten what it was like to be really the first person in, in my immediate family to go to college, or for that part, in many cases, my extended family to go to college. It was a great privilege. And, um, and I work hard, um, not just academically, but actually physically in order to make that possible. But I understand also that hard work is not possible for all people when you have discrimination and obstacles placed in front of you and uh, hopelessness, which is a disease unto itself. So I, I was raised with great empathy for others. I understood that there were people who were less fortunate than I was, um, and, and therefore my heart remains open to those people, people without good health access, people without a support system, people without a job that allows them to buy healthy foods. Um, these are not theoretical issues. These are real issues and I feel them. And when I'm speaking to you and our guests, for me, it's an opportunity to bring out that history in conversation with them so that we, we talk about the challenge of access to care. We talk about the challenge of, of innovation, making life better um, for people. We talk about people having information at hand to make good decisions. I'm driven by that. And I do think that this work that you and I do and our conversations with people actually are, I hope, um, making people think about their own work, their own possibilities, and their own commitment to improve the well-being of all people. And if you're just tuning in, you are listening to Health Unabashed on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm Greg Masters, co-host of the show, and my guest today is the very special one and only Gil Bash. Thank you, Gil. But you know, there's something about you that you have not yet disclosed, and it has something to do with um, uh, you practicing a certain, uh, a, uh, shall we say, uh, a rabbi a role in your life now and then. Talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't you know. People always are amazed by that. You know, I'm, uh, as you know, Greg, and it's you no know, in my bio. I I started as a as a paratrooper combat medic, and so I saw tremendous suffering on all sides in that role. And it, it didn't create a heart of steel. It did create a heart of flesh. I saw how vulnerable people are. Um, it was always my career path to be a rabbi, believe it or not. Um, I don't think I would have been a very good congregational rabbi. Thank God for everybody concerned. I am not. 
Um, but because I am an empathic person, a caring person, I've, I've often been in hospital quarters visiting, um, visiting the ill, visiting people who are transitioning from this world to the next. And um, I've seen the health system up close and personal. I've seen what works and I've seen what doesn't work. I've seen what people and families need emotionally, that there are different sides to health. And by the way, some of the doctors we've had on the program, I think are exceptional because they're feeling physicians. They're not just scientists. They're, they're, they talk about how they feel about care, they, how they feel about people of health, urgent health needs. They're real. They're people who are physicians. So I'm a person with somewhat of a health background who's a rabbi. And it allows me to connect the science to the spiritual, that, that there's the known and the unknown. And, and most people at certain stages of their journey are, um, are not concerned about the known, the science. They're concerned about the unknown. What, what's, what's beyond? Um, to the best of my knowledge, I, I could be wrong. I've never met a person who says, you know, I'm 300 years old. I mean, Mel Brooks did write about the 2,000-year-old man, of course, but, or, but, um, but I've never met that person. So I do know, that's why I said we're organic. And as a rabbi, I, I have a deep spiritual connection to the unseen. And um, I often see what some people see as coincidence. I just see as um, the world beyond the world that is visible. And that's really helped me in terms of my perspective about the work in, in health and our responsibility. You see, I think each person is precious. Each person is a, a holy vessel. And therefore, as health communicators, as health professionals, we, we, have, a, we have actually a, a, a spiritual responsibility to sustain life. It, you, know, you can talk about holiness, you can talk about spirituality, you can even talk about a, um, a holy being, a God. Uh, but if you, if you touch on any of those subjects, you, you, you have to sort of appreciate the fact that we are therefore the messengers. We're, we're, we're the, the people who are carrying through the work. And therefore, we have to put aside sometimes our opinions, our biases, and understand that actually each person is precious and holy. It's our responsibility to do our utmost to sustain and save life. And so being a rabbi, I find is another facet of my actually being a health professional. I am, I am for caring, empathy as part of the healing process. And therefore communications becomes a essential thread. So this is a little out of order of where I wanted to take the interview, but this is a natural bridge to what you did recently. Talk about your trip to Moldova and why'd you go? So first of all, I went, although I'm not publicizing it tremendously, I did go to Moldova's neighbor, uh, neighboring countries. You know, Moldova um, neighbor borders a country that is in the news front and center. And um, I wasn't sure I would be able to enter uh, Ukraine, I was, and um, for many years I've been going. It's um, it's a spiritual gathering. Actually, I go for the Jewish New Year, and when I started to go many years ago, I was really um, it was before we had an infirmary set up for the purpose of our gathering. I was the kind of 
one of three or four on-site health professionals. Um, and that was fine when we had a few people, but when, as we started to attract thousands, we actually established a, an infirmary and a clinic. And often I was the person bringing people to the infirmary, um, providing initial thoughts. I don't, I don't want to say diagnosis, but my initial observations of what was happening and um, making sure that they got the care they needed on site. And then when they got home, making sure that they had a, a, a follow-up referral immediately for their health needs, which have ranged, uh, ranged from um, uh, arrhythmia to hypertension, to indigestion, um, to arthritis, to you know, your normal cuts and scrapes. Um, this, this particular trip was precious to me because I, I had a whole different side experience of ability and disability. I actually was accompanying someone who is deaf, born deaf. And, um, and you know, we, we really rely on sight and hearing to create observation. I'm traveling now with someone who I'm responsible for their well-being, who, who, is, who is deaf. And also trying to take care of my own health, I actually did wear a mask. Was asked by almost everybody, "What's the mask for?" Um, you know, COVID seems to be a thing of the past. It's not a thing of the past. People get sick. Um, people can get very sick. So I was masked. But when you wear a mask and you're with a deaf person, they can't read your lips. So um, it involved a high level of consideration and protection for both of us. Um, and my communicating to him my need, his my needs and taking care of his needs. What what I did see though, Greg, I want to talk to is um, Moldova is the poorest nation in Europe, poorest nation in Europe, and yet they've taken in eight hundred thousand refugees from Ukraine, and they've housed them in um, in what few hotels they have. I stayed in a center that was for um, Ukrainian refugees. And um, in many cases, Moldovans have taken people into their homes. They've shared their food. They've opened up and expanded their classrooms for children. They've, um, they've shared their children's toys with other children. And I marveled, Craig, at a society, a poor society where they have very little, and yet they're willing to share. And, and I was, thinking at all times, this is a great society, as Linda Bates Hudson wrote, the great society, a society of plenty that is struggling to care for its own people, and, and yet um, finds it very difficult to uh, address the needs of people who cross the border, who have needs. Yet Moldovans had no problem embracing people crossing the border, housing them, feeding them, educating them with few resources. I think that Moldova is a country that is a, a role model for the for the world in terms of kindness and openness and, and making facilities available. I learned a lot from the trip. I urge people to open their eyes, not just to the geopolitical struggle that is going on between Ukraine and Russia, but the human struggle um, that is going on in the region and how neighbors like Poland and Moldova are responding with kindness and openness to um, a concern that I ha has resulted in millions, millions of refugees crossing the border, not knowing where they're going to live, how they're going to feed themselves, clothe themselves as the winter approaches. One of the most heartbreaking things I saw in the center 
of Ukraine in a city called Uman, where young men connecting, collecting um, branches, firewood, and um, making piles and creating smaller piles for very old people and carrying those piles of Kindle to people's homes, as I observe, people who are in their 90s, in many cases, Greg. Um, it was inspiring and heartbreaking, um, but it reminded me that despite our ability, we survive through each other's kindness. And, and quickly, what's the mood? Optimistic, courageous, hopeful. Okay, so we're 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 coming towards the end of our time today. These this go as you know, this goes fast. Um, so we we are completing season one of Health and Abashed on Healthcare Now Radio, and we're poised to embark on on season two. Uh, we have some guests uh, in in sight. Yeah, look, we have some amazing world-class leaders who are, are lined up for season two. First of all, I wanna thank you and the folks at Healthcare Now Radio for uh, renewing the show. Um, that is appreciated, obviously, to uh, some 50,000 listeners, thank you. I won't say 50,000 thank yous, but I'm, I'm appreciative. Also, um, because clearly people are interested in hearing the voices of health innovators uh, Healthcare Now Radio is launching a new program I'm excited about. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be on the show, but I'm connected to the show, I guess you could say as a producer of the show called Finn Voices, which is a new program, which is hosted by Finn Partners, and it is featuring some of my uh, bold, courageous colleagues who are going to be interviewing uh, some of the people they know in industry who are dealing with some, or doing some very cutting edge things that I hope um, not only our realities, but actually advance health. So you know, to you, Greg, and to all the whole team at Healthcare Now Radio, and to my colleagues who are going to be doing Finn Voices and my listeners at Health Unabashed, I thank you profoundly. Well, there you have it. The man, the mission, the mind, the passion, and the clarity through the windshield. I love that. You know, Gil, speaking of planetary health, which is kind of somewhat in the news these days, we had a guest on the show who had a point of view on that. Do you care to share some of his insights? Oh, read on where you're thinking about from Vanderbilt University Medical Center, who is really just an outstanding clinician um, and um, is doing groundbreaking work in the area of environmental health. He has his own, um, he you know, contributes to his own programs. He was a very important guest. Um, if Reed is listening, I, I wanna send him my best wishes. Look, um, as Dr. James Hildreth of Meharry Medical College said, not on our program, but said to me on another program we were both on, the planet doesn't need people. People need the planet. I think it's high time as, as Reed mentioned that we elevate planetary health to a priority public health issue. We cannot sustain ourselves without a healthy planet. And it is the basis of all life. So it was thrilling to have Reed on the program along with our other 25 outstanding guests in season one. Season two, hopefully even better. 
And that is a wrap for today's broadcast. We want to thank our listeners, as always, for tuning in. And our very special guest, Gil Bash, the principal host of the show, whose day job is chairing the global health and purpose practice at Finn Partners, one of the fastest growing global independent marketing and communication agencies in the world. And do look for Finn Voices launching on Healthcare Now Radio in November. You can learn more about Health Unabashed on the program page at healthcarenowradio.com. We air weekdays at 10.30 a.m., 6.30 p.m., and 2.30 a.m. Eastern or 7.30 a.m., 3.30 p.m., and 11.30 p.m. Pacific. Do keep the conversation going with Gil and me on Twitter by connecting with us via at Gil underscore Bash, and that's B-A-S-H-E. And Greg Masters MPH, and that's Greg with two G's. And do remember to tag your tweets with hashtag health unabashed. Until next time, stay unapologetically passionate about improving health.